This is episode number 90, Embrace the Power Within, with Gina Rolkowski. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and then give a shout out to our review of the week, which comes from Nicole Ash. Overcoming Odds is an amazing organization. Being at an event is transformational. The energy in the room is contagious. It's a pr- place where not only can you find your voice, but you will find power in your own story. Such an incredible experience. Thank you, Nicole, for taking the chance to leave us your thoughts and your feedback about your own experience from one of our events. If you want to be featured on our review of the week, go ahead and leave us one on iTunes, Facebook, or Google. Also, if you haven't checked out any of our upcoming events, feel free to do so at overcomingodds.today forward slash events. These are experiences created by other community members from the Overcoming Odds tribe, where you will get a chance to hear stories from powerful speakers from all over the country, as well as opportunities to share your own story. Once again, for more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash events. Now, let's get back to our guest. This week's conversation features Gina Rolkowski, speaker, author, survivor of sexual abuse, and recovery coach for women healing from childhood abuse. She's a thought leader for the Me Too movement and the creator of the Emptied Heart program for sexual abuse survivors. Using her treasure trove of proven, actionable, and achievable steps, she helps women find the freedom they deserve so they can feel safe, worthy, loved, and empowered. Without further ado, please welcome Gina Rolkowski. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Today's guest is someone that I had the pleasure of meeting a couple of weeks ago through probably one of the most powerful platforms at this particular day and age, and that is LinkedIn. Her name is Gina Rokowski, and I wanted to have her on the show to share more about her story and the different experiences that she went through, and ultimately how she has been able to redefine and reframe a lot of her past in order to help impact other people along the way. Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Owen. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for being on here. And, you know, you and I were joking before this of the technical difficulties that we face in life with different technologies. Um, So I'm very fortunate that we were able to overcome that particular (laughs) obstacle. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it's the little things that are hard to overcome, like technology. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You prepare so much for the moment and the opportunity and then boom, like it doesn't work or or Zoom breaks down or something. So... (laughs) Um, but I'm glad we were able to figure that out together as a collective, which only speaks to the message of, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. 
Yes. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I'm going to borrow that one. Um. I wanted to, you know, have you on the show, as I mentioned briefly before this, to really share your story. And I know the initial conversation you and I had and the different traumatic experiences that you've had in your life. Um, I think there's a lot of value that people can gain from it because you have come to a point in your life where you are able to reframe a lot of that past and not allow your past to find your present and your future. Absolutely. And I think that's really important for people to know. So to give people some context about who you are and your story, tell us a little bit about, you know, who are you and and where does that question originate from? Uh, Well, who I am right now, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, what I I do is I'm I'm a coach for um, abuse survivors and other women who have had adverse childhood experiences, and I help them reclaim their self-worth. So that they can live the fulfilling life they deserve as a child of God, you know, in spite of the pain of their past. Um, I mean, I think when it comes to who I am today or who I am now, um, I think I've always been, you know, what I thought I wanted to be. I just didn't know it, which is, I mean, I think I I posted something like that and talked about it on Instagram not too long ago. But um, I I think it comes... a time like for me knowing who I am now is, is such a freeing experience because it doesn't have anything to do with what I've experienced necessarily you know what happened to me what somebody said because when I learned to really look at myself with more compassion and see you know old behaviors that I might normally have been ashamed of or embarrassed about when I could see them as really trying, you know, surviving and being wounded and seeking the love and caring and belonging that I needed just in maybe a not very helpful way. Um, it, it really gave me a place to look at myself and empty out, you know, compassionately empty out that pain and shame mm-hmm. and see myself as, you know, a child of God, you know, like, I mean, when I'm, you know, I have a very strong relationship with God. Um, but, when I realized, wow, it really isn't about like how much money I make or what clothes I'm wearing or what's in my bank or, or what happened to me. I may feel bad. <laughs> I may feel ashamed. You know, um, I may have feelings that are uncomfortable, but that doesn't define who I am. And the more that I was able to tap into that and really experience like, well, now wait a minute. I don't need anything to be worthy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I can manage feelings all of a sudden I was like wow it was almost like a like I, I call my program the emptied heart because I think that like when you really empty out the crap that covers who you are in your heart you're just like oh holy wow I think, look at me I'm pretty amazing <laughs> you know and so I, I think today you know who I am is you know I really like to think of myself as just like a shining example of, of, of God's love and and hopefully being a inspiration to other people who are at a place, you know, where I was, because it's, it's a pretty bad place to be. And you, you really just think like, well, I'm just a loser. Mm-hmm. So many years in my belief, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a loser. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to be able to be in a place today where I'm like, Oh, it's fun to be me. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Take us a step back and paint us that picture of where you were. In, in helping us understand the transformation that you made over the years? Well, gosh, you know, it's so funny. I forget sometimes how awful it was, really. I mean, I know that's, that, that may sound crazy, but I was 
sexually abused growing up and didn't remember it. So I had dissociative amnesia for years. Uh, I lived basically in the survival mode for most of my life and didn't even realize it. I, you know, to just kind of sum up my, my trauma history, probably from the time I was very young up until the time I was um, like 18 or something, I was, I was sexually abused. And I can remember almost feeling like I wasn't, like I wanted to be invisible. I wanted to be seen and loved, but I was, I just wanted to be invisible. And at 14 years old, I started having seizures. And I can remember being in high school and feeling so incredibly like overwhelmed and afraid that I guess my body just kind of gave out. Uh, you know, my body really kept the score and protected me. Um, so I had like 20 years, or I guess, or so of having um, dissociative seizures, which were treated as epileptic seizures. Doctors decided they were going to take out part of my brain. And so they drilled holes in my head. During a surgery, I had to be awake for. Uh, and I worried, you know, they hooked me up to these machines for like eight weeks and we're going to take out the um, damaged part of my brain. Um, and in addition to that, thank God that never happened. I ended up getting addicted to drugs uh, because I was having, having uh, seizures and I was just emotionally a, a complete wreck. I mean, there were times, there were times when I could not get out of bed. I mean, I, I literally could not get myself out of bed and I was raising my team, my, my daughter at the time. And I remember I would just stay in bed until I could hear her bus come by dreams and I would throw my clothes on just so she wouldn't know that I was just had been in bed all day long. Mm. And I could not imagine like working, being in a relationship, like none, I mean, I was on so many, you know, Clonopin, Xanax, whatever it was, and they were basically survival, but it was a point where it was so bad that I did try to kill myself. Uh, and at that point, I mean, I thought, how am I ever going to get better? How is my life ever going to get better? Because, you know, between the abuse growing up, the seizures, you know, the, the different surgeries, um, you know, at, at one time, my father had told me there was a, a curse put on my life and had me go through some crazy exorcism things that were just horrible down in Miami. So to be in a place today where I like can get up and feel good about myself when I didn't even want to be a person. And I just, I mean, there are times when I would just lay on the floor and crying, you know, holding my stomach and trying so hard to protect my daughter from seeing me that way. But I knew she knew what was going on. I mean, I could not imagine that my life was ever going to be anything but just horrible. And when I realized I was addicted to the drugs, I thought, well, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, how am I going to manage my life without these drugs? Um, and, you know, when I realized, you know, I took 17 Percocet, counted them all out, took him, lay down in bed and was like, I waited to die. And then I thought I was raised Catholic and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, there's, if, if in fact there's a chance I'm going to hell, which I don't, I don't believe now, but at the time I was like, I'm not, that's a pretty big risk to be taking, you know? So I called my brother and I was like, you know, now um, I just took these pills. And of course I went um, inpatient for, for that. But the times that I was, in and out of psych wards and just, I mean, I don't even know how to describe the, the ability to like be present. Like there was no I'm present or anything like that. 
It was just being and trying not to be. That's how miserable I, I was. You know, so it, it got to be really, really, really bad until I dumped the pills down the toilet after I tried to commit suicide and then went um, inpatient and started, you know, my journey on recovery. And that was 16 years ago. Mm. How were you able to step in? There are a lot of questions that come to mind. The first one is when you were at that point of possibly ending it all. Right. What, what prevented you from that? What came to your mind that said, there is a greater version of myself that I have to live out? That's a really good question. I, I, you know, I think like, one of the things that I, when I look back on my life and myself as a you know, person, <laughs> I can remember deep down inside really kind of being in touch with the, who I really was and being very confused, especially even as a child, because I remember thinking that I, I think I'm a pretty cool person <laughs> and, and yet I'm being treated like just a, you know, a, a piece of crap. I'm treating, being treated as if I don't matter. I'm non-existent. I don't. And so there was this like, real kind of confusion of like, but I think I'm pretty great. Well, I'm nothing ever great happens for me. I'm treated like crap. I must be crap. And I think there's this, there was this really burning desire for me to kind of feel like, no, 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 I'm, I know she's in there. I know I'm in there somewhere. And I think the little bit of, um, the little bit of changes that I made, which, you know, dumping pills down the toilet when you think you can't survive, you know, that's not a little thing. But as I did tip small steps that were very, very difficult for me. I mean, there was a time when I was in agoraphobic, I couldn't leave my house. And I forced myself to get in the car and drive to the grocery store, which is like a quarter mile away. And I'm shaking the whole time. And I'm like, oh my God. But I knew from each one of those experiences, I started to see myself differently. And it was like mm -hmm. that person who I thought I was, was starting to come out little by little. And I was kind of like, wow, holy crap. I, I, I actually can, can do this. And I started to kind of start to really be excited about the possibilities for myself because I started seeing myself a little differently. You know, things that I thought, well, I can't even get out of bed. There's no way I can drive to even see my therapist. You know, I can't eat. I was in withdrawal for like a year from these drugs and I would drink my insure and get in my car and drive. And all of a sudden I started feeling like, wow, wow, if I'm so scared and I think I'm gonna die and I can get in my car and drive, Imagine what, what else I can do. And so I started seeing who I really was deep down in there. And I was kind of like, I knew you were in there, you know? <laughs> and, and so I was like, oh, there you are, you know? So I think that's what really kind of helped me, uh, encouraged me to, you know, to keep going, even though it was really, really hard. Because I believe somewhere deep down in there that I was a pretty great person. <laughs> One of the thoughts that I have as you were sharing this is I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine recently and we were talking about a similar instance where she had experienced uh, different elements of abuse in her past. And what it made me realize was I actually had a breakthrough as well through that particular moment and I just wrote about it yesterday and it essentially helped me understand that 
you know, during that particular time, one of the things that I was looking for is I was looking for a space to host an event that we had in New York City. And what it made me realize was in, instead of me looking for that quote unquote perfect venue, perfect space, right. that the space already existed. Yes. That the space was already created because there's no better space than the space that's being shared between the two people where there's already vulnerability, courage, strength, oh my gosh, helping yes. us understand each other. Yeah. And, you know, as you were, as you were sharing your story, it just, it just helped me better understand that this is also that space. This can be that space for people where yes. they can tune in, listen, and, and really understand, I think, based on your experience as well, that you, at times, yes, you may have to seek out other professional help, but therapy, I think, can be defined in many, many, many different ways. Right. And that is, I mean, therapy is and can be as simple as a phone call. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that you make a really good point because I think that, and it's so interesting that you bring that up because there was a time in my life when I thought I'm without therapy, I won't survive. And I'm, and please, you know, like you were clear earlier, you know, when you are in a crisis and you don't know what to do, especially when you're dealing with dissociation and suicide, you know, it's very important to reach out to, um, uh, to somebody who is trained in that or obviously to a friend. But one of the things I learned along the way, because when I when I moved from Florida up here to Delaware, I had a terrible time trying to find a therapist. Uh, and I was, for the first time in my life, I think I went about three or four years without a therapist. And when you talk about what therapy can be like, I pretty much turned my turned my time whenever I felt terrible and horrible to learning to really sit and be with God and meditate and be with him in nature and allow myself to be loved and really, you know, allow myself to spend time with him and getting to know myself more as his child and realize that I am loved and cared for and I am safe, even if I'm not in a therapist's office. And I was, I just thought, how am I ever going to survive without a therapist? Oh my gosh, you know, I, I can't do it on my own. And when I was forced to do that, it gave me, you know, I was kind of, sometimes I think, God has a tendency to push us in positions where it's like, listen, you're not quite getting it. You're leaning on a lot of other things besides me and yourself and some of the people I've put around you. So I've got to smush you in this corner over here, you know? And so I, I was amazed that I could thrive by using the tools that I did have, you know, at my disposal and learning to really spend time with God and realize, wow, like I can, I have enough resources to be okay, even without some, you know, without a therapist. And mm -hmm. it was another chance for me to see how, how give myself a chance to see how empowered I had become and, and learn to rely on myself and see, you know, what I could do uh, when I was helped, you know, by the greatest, you know, power that there is. When did you choose to step outside of just your own self and be able to use this story to help encourage other people along similar paths? <laughs> That's a good question. I, it's so funny that you asked that because 
you know, there was, there was a long time when I, people would say to me, you know, you really should help other people and tell your story. And I was like, oh, my story's snoring. Like, who wants to hear, you know, <laughs> everybody that, you know, I used to think like, I was like, listen, when I first went into recovery, I was so self-righteous. I was like, I am, I don't take drugs and I'm, you know, I'm, and then I realized, wow, that's a pretty crappy attitude to have, you know, um, and it was, I just started learning that more and more people have stories. Like, and I really wanted at the time I had spent so much time identifying myself by my trauma that it was almost hard to let go of that. And when I had, when I realized I am more than my trauma, you know, I am more than, 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 you know, people will see me for more than just my story. I realized that I, I could, it really was important for me to, to share it because there really are people out there who are where I was. And I forget sometimes that there really is a lot of power in hearing how somebody else overcame something because there were times when I just thought, well, there's, there's no hope at all for me. Like I don't, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I, I, I think it did take me a while to realize that it was probably helpful for me to share my story uh, because I just thought, well, who wants to hear it? You know, who's really going to listen? Everybody's got one. So what's so different about mine and why would anybody want to hear it? Uh, now I'm actually learning, you know, little by little, what a difference it makes. Because even when I do short little Instagram stories, you know, I get direct messages from people that are, say things like, you don't know how much you helped me with that little bit of information. And it's so great to see somebody who's come out on top. And I'm always so amazed because I think I'm rambling on my, whenever I do my, um, my live videos, I'm just like, Oh, is I rambling? And people say, Oh no, it was so helpful. So I think it just took me a while to realize that my story is powerful and it can help other people. And, and I think I didn't share it for a while too, because I was almost afraid that it just wouldn't make that much of a difference. Mm. Which aspect of your story would you say that you are still working through as far as a painful moment? That's a really good question. That's a good question. You know, I think honestly, the um, one of the most difficult things that I'm still working on is, is learning to manage and accept and be with my feelings and my and my fears. Because I'd like to think that oh, you know, I, I look at me, I have all the tools and I'm helping other people and blah, blah, blah. But it can be really challenging starting, you know, working on a business, starting a business, um, taking such a big risk, being vulnerable out there with my feelings. And there are times when that, that critical voice comes in that's just like so loud that I, I, I mean, it's, you know, even this past week, I was like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. And, I, and I'm supposed to help other people. <laughs> this voice is like, you know, so I think, I think probably really just stopping and being with the, the, the thought or the feeling that's challenging is still something that I work on every day. Uh, there are days when it's so much easier, but when I, when I find myself in a position where I feel vulnerable or afraid, uh, it, it, it's, I really have to learn to stop, to, to really just stop, even if it's for a minute, feel my feet. I do a lot of wiggling my feet to help stay in my body because I used to dissociate so much. But I think that's probably 
the biggest issue I have, um, and, and professionally too, I think I struggle with that as well, because I, I think, wow, you know, I, I'm so amazed at who I am, and I have something to offer, and yet, you know, start a new business and not be sure if it's going to work or be successful, I still have some, some doubts, and, and those are probably my biggest, the biggest issues that I still work through now. One of the things that came to mind as you were sharing this is you're not alone throughout this process. I mean, even those who are building different communities, I experience things like these every day, not every day, but, but often. And I think the reason why those things happen is a couple of things. First one, I think you get into a position where you truly do feel uncomfortable doing it. And (laughs) just like you said, you are afraid because you don't know, you don't know the, consequences of that right. decision right. and if you knew well you wouldn't make that decision then right. <laughs> so it's uh it's a challenging field to be in because as yeah. you are growing and pushing yourself out there more i mean you're pushing yourself out in the ocean and forcing yourself to swim right. or you may not know what a breath stroke looks like yes. or any other form and so that's i think the the challenge of of being in this space as far as being afraid, I had, I recently read a quote. It was Tim Ferriss. He shared it, and he said, "I have something along the lines of, do the thing that you are most afraid of.'" Right. Yeah. And it's true because that's the thing that's the most challenging. And if there's anything that I've learned in my life, it is that adversity is our greatest teacher. Yes, I I think that's, and and I think that does get missed a lot because people are. I know for myself, if it, I'll tell you this one, one of the things my very first therapist said to me was if you're not, if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not growing. And I remember thinking, Oh Lord, are you kidding me? (laughs) I mean, I just, and I can tell you, it's funny because when I went up, when I went away uh, inpatient, um, I remember it was, it was like two week program. And I really believed that in two weeks I was going to come out of there and be all better. And I mean, that was 16, 16 years ago. And it's funny because obviously there really is no all better. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there just is. Yeah, there, it just is. And it's learning how to, to manage or, or embrace the discomfort and, and, you know, really, and like I said, I think my biggest thing is, is that I have to stop and just really be when my body gets tense and I'm like, Oh my God, I got these weird, I just have to stop and go, well, you know, of course you're afraid. You know, this is a pretty scary thing to do. And it's, and it's okay. It's going to be okay no matter what. But I think sometimes I tend to push through still, you know, but it, it, that's, it, it really is true. I think that if we could really do the things we're, we're afraid of, we'll be really surprised. Um, you know, I remember the woman who, used to, who does my hair, she does a great job. She was so afraid to go out on the floor because she was an assistant. And she kept telling mm-hmm. me, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready. And I said to her, if you waited till you're ready, if everybody waited till they're ready, nobody would do anything. Like nobody's ever be ready. You know what I mean? You're never ready. You just do it and go, holy crap, look what I can do. Look, look what I did, you know? And then you're like, oh, if I did that, look what else I can do. No, it's so true. And, and I, I tell this to my friends all the time. You're never truly ready until you do it. Yeah. Because what are you ready for? Yeah. You don't know. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you really don't know what you can do until you do it. And it's amazing how uh, it really, and I think it's such a gift in a really bizarre way. I know that sounds so like cheesy, you know, oh, it's such a gift, but it, it really is when you take the step to do something and realize what you're capable of. I mean, I, I, I remember before I dumped down the toilet, I thought to myself, okay, I'm just going to take one, one Xanax. And if that works, who cares? I'll just be on the pills forever. And of course it didn't make a darn bit of difference. You know, and I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to live without these? And when I dumped them down the toilet, it's like every minute that I was without them, I was just amazed at my ability to do, to do something so incredibly scary and that it was, and that it was actually working out and it was going to be okay. Hmm. And it's, and I think too, that sometimes even as an overcomer, it can be easy to forget where I came from. And I have to sometimes, I actually had a stick like a post-it note on my wall that said, you know, I, I've been, I've been in and out of psych wards four times in my life and tried to commit suicide. And then underneath it, I wrote, not anymore <laughs> because I, you know, like I, I tend to forget how far I have come because you can get so caught up in the moment of, is this business going to work? Is that going to work? Who's mad at me? Whatever. Then you go, Oh, you know, it's like, Whoa, relax, man. Like, hello. You used to be in psych wards. Do you see yourself and you're worried about this, you know? So, you know, it's, it's just interesting as the journey goes along to see, you know, how I, how I feel, you know, today compared to then and, you know, what, what it, how the journey has been like. It's just been fascinating. Mm -hmm. How do you view impact? What is impact for you? Oh boy, I, that's a really good question. In fact, I would say I think in, make, in giving people hope is an I mean, impact. I mean, if I could make one impact in, in any person's life who has been traumatized or been through an adverse childhood experience, it would really to help them see how amazingly resilient and beautiful they are and to give them the gift of self-confidence and self-worth and hope well, that would be my my definition of making an impact would be you know you hear things like oh changing people's lives and all and honestly i think sometimes we get so uh like the true message of the words gets lost because we hear them so often. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like changing lives. Oh, that sounds really great. I change lives. Oh, me too. You know, and it's like, okay. But if you really think about it to make an impact and to really give someone the gift of seeing themselves as worthy and, and give them the hope that they need, like that's, that is incredibly life changing. It offers such relief to people that I don't think any, you know, unless you really sit with that, you know, imagine if somebody came to you and said, Hey, it's, it's going to be okay. Like it, it makes it's that would be my definition of, of impact. Mm. Final thought for today's episode. And this is a question that I ask all of our guests and that is who or what are you grateful for today? Wow. There's a lot of things I'm grateful for. I, I 
I would say that I'm very, I'm obviously very grateful for God. Uh, without His help, I wouldn't be where I am. I'm, I'm very grateful for the steps that I took when I thought taking them would just kill me, because they paved the way for me to feel safe, loved, and proud of myself. I'm very grateful for all of those steps that I took because they paved the way for my relationship with my daughter. That's amazing that, you know, years ago, I thought she would just didn't want to have anything to do with me. And it paved the way for the relationship I have with my husband when I thought I could never get married again. And who wants to marry a, a suicide survivor, you know? So I think if I look back, I think I'm really, really grateful for the little steps that I took with the help of God and when I felt like I was all by myself. Gina, how do people find you and what are some of the things that you have coming up? I know that you have a lot of content that you release. Um, all of it's phenomenal because, and the reason why I say it is because it comes from you, comes from the heart. And I think that's the best form and best representation that you can get of a human being is where they truly are vulnerable. And, you know, as part of it for those that are listening and curious as far as where to start along their journey Sharing your story publicly is not the only way for you to accept who you are and embrace who you are. There are different levels to it. And with what you've done as far as sharing your story, what I've learned in the brief um, connection that we've had is that you are vulnerable, you are you, and you've embraced and owned aspects of your story Mm -hmm. and your identity. And that's the most important part of it all. Yeah. 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 I'm, people can find me on my website at ginarolkowski.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm starting to do more live videos. Uh, I do have a coaching program, and anybody who might be interested in working with me is welcome to look at my website and sign up for a free strategy session. Uh, I'm hoping to start doing some workshops uh, soon. I'm making some connections in the uh, Delaware area and hoping to be able to have a chance to get out there and do some speaking as well. But for now, on my Instagram, Gina Rolkowski, um, my Facebook, Gina Rolkowski as well. You can find me there um, as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your wisdom, your insights. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you can receive all of the latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.